And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Public Life is an American nerd. I am your host, David K. Montoya. All right, gang, welcome to this week. Um, as per usual, I have you know a, a thing set in order for uh, a movie, a TV show, a cartoon, a comic book, and then we're gonna be going on our way for the toy of the week, which I I saw and I was I was on the phone and and I was like oh hell no and uh, just because I said that I was like okay I'm gonna make it toy of the week but uh, there there's you know of course something that we need to approach here um, a bit of of seriousness you know because we lost somebody in the entertainment world from the dreaded c word. Um, it's just there's just so many people in this world that have succumbed to cancer and it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or young or old you know there there's no there's no discrimination for cancer everybody is viable of you know succumbing and uh, most recently was Chadwick Bosman, who was the the actor notably and recent for like pop culture right now is he was the uh, Black Panther in the Marvel movies. Um, he passed away on the twenty eighth. So just a few days ago, um, you know, the thing that, that bothers me is, is like this hits close too close to home kids because he was 43. I'm 43. You know, that that's just like, ah, you know, um, but yeah, he, he passed away on August 28th, 2020. And, uh, the news broke around, uh, 7 PM. And let's see, I'm, I'm pulling up TMZ here. I'm not, I don't hit TMZ a lot. Actually, I barely hit TMZ at all, to be honest with you. Um, but they were the first people that I came across to, to break the news. So I figured, you know, it would only be appropriate to, to read, uh, you know, their, their breaking article. And it reads, of course, that, you know, and that's one thing I don't understand. Why is it that people are so harsh? And I apologize if you hear the dog in the background. It's uh, almost midnight, so I'm not going to pause. I'm just going to keep on going. Uh, you know, TMZ is very, they're, they're really particular. They, they just, like, harsh when somebody passes away. You know, because the headline is, like, Chadwick Bosman dead at 43 from colon cancer. It's like slam it right in your face. There, there's no, no ease into it. No, it was just like harsh. Um, but anyway, uh, the the article says Chadwick Bosman, the iconic Black Panther star, has died at the age of 43 after a four-year battle with colon cancer. His family released a statement saying it was an immeasurable grief that we confirmed the tragic passing of Chadwick Bosman. Chadwick was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer in 2016, and he battled with it for the last four years as it progressed into stage 4. They continued that it was an honor of his career to be King Chala, to uh, bring King Chala to life in Black Panther. He died in his home with his wife and his family by his side. Chadwick, who was most famously brought the first black Marvel superhero to life, Black Panther, 
along with the string of adventure movies, was no stranger to giving life to iconic roles. He portrayed Jackie Robinson, James Brown, and Thoroughgood Marshall in Marshall. Recently, Chadwick had sparked concern among his fans as he appeared very thin in videos on social media. They worried, nearly overshadowed the impactful words he wanted to share with the world about Jackie Robinson and the pandemic. Let's see. It says, and this is from his Instagram. And it says, I am here. I'm hearing stories of depression from people all over the country, and we know our communities are suffering the most and urgently need help. Celebrating Jackie Robinson Day with the launch of Thomas Thurl's Operation 42 and donated of $4.2 million in personal protective equipment to hospitals that service the African American communities who have been hit the hardest by COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you, Jackie, for refusing to accept the world as it is, for showing us that we can make a difference. Born in South Carolina, he, was, he always had an affinity for theater and wrote his first play in high school. He attended the famous HBCU, Howard University, and graduated with a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He started his career in writing and directing, but clearly he was meant to be on the other side of the camera. He took the world by storm in 2013 in the role of Jackie Robinson in 42. On playing that role, Chadwick said, the story is relevant because we still stand on his shoulders. He started something. I would even say maybe he didn't even start it. It started before him, but he carried the torch and he carried it alone for a period of time before other people could help him. Clearly, he forwarded the narrative of that as he moved on to play one of the most influential roles of the generation, the Black Panther. The impact he had on Hollywood was too short, but was phenomenal. He hosted SNL in a very memorable episode and was slated to star in Black Panther 2, which was meant to be released in 2022. As outstanding of an actor as he was, Chadwick was also an incredibly effective activist and role model. He had a unique and powerful voice that resonated with kids and adults, showing them anything was possible. And there's this. Today is Jackie Robinson Day in Major League Baseball, honoring the first black player in the league, all, playing, all players wearing the number 42. Chadwick was 43 years old. R.I.P. Rest in peace. So yeah, I, I I wanted to touch on that because you know that's that's just heart wrenching. You know, like I said, there's just I know we've all been affected by someone who's passed by cancer. I the 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 statistics is just insane. So we say goodbye and rest in peace. All right, uh, let's go ahead and get into more of an upbeat here uh, as we jump into our regular scheduled program and we jump into this week's movie and we are hit with The New Mutants, the biggest difference from the comic demon bear saga. The New Mutants retell the story of the demon bear saga from comics, but there are some... Major differences between the two. Well, yeah, there never is a correlation. And no one no one ever does a perfect correlation. It says, warning, the following contains major spoilers for New Mutants. Now playing in theaters. Really? Maybe theaters that are open in everywhere else in the United States but California. Okay, that's that's my only political stance. Open the theaters in California. Okay? 
<laughs> All right. It says, New Mutants hit theaters as the final movie in the Fox X-Men series. The film also takes on a task of telling the Demon Bear Saga by Chris Claremont, Bill Sawinski, Glennis Wynn, and Tom... I'm going to slaughter this like crazy. I believe it's Orzakowinski. Despite all the moments paying homage to the classic storylines, there are significant differences between the two tales, including the following. The setting. The entire setting of the overall plot of the movie is different from the comic book. In The New Mutants, the five teenagers are held captive in an abandoned hospital and cared by one solitary doctor who says she is trying to help them control their powers. But this backfires. While Danny sleeps, her power manifests and summons the demon bear. In the comics, this event takes place while the new mutants are at Xavier's school for the gifted youngsters, where they are not prisoners. Where the comic features the demon bear as the main threat. The film and its setting presents other antagonistic forces from the doctor to the asylum itself. Well, there you go. That doesn't really surprise me. New Mutants abilities. Yes, because, you know, New Mutants can't actually have their abilities. I mean, come on. That would be like making Superman fly or have X-ray vision, you know? The powers of the New Mutants in the movie are nearly the same as those in the comic books. However, there is one significant difference. In the comic books, when the Demon Bear saga begins, the New Mutants are already heroes who trained with their powers extensively. In the movie, the New Mutants don't know how to use their powers. For instance, Cannonball struggles with his confidence, and Roberto has no idea what he's doing or capable of. So they are far from established heroes seen in the comic books. In the movie, they are simply kids who want to be left alone. However, they are forced to fight. Magma. There is one member of the mut New Mutants that is missing in the movie. Magma is one of the original members of the team. And while she doesn't last as long as the others, she is still a massive part of the Demon Bear saga in the comics. However, director Josh Boone has a reason behind this decision. Magma is from an ancient Roman world that exists in the Amazon. However, this has yet to be established in the film universe. And Boone wasn't going to go there in the movie. Okay. Lockheed. Oh. Did they not give Lockheed... I wonder... Well, yeah, because... Oh, okay, that's just a um, random thought. Because Lockheed was Kitty Pride's pet dragon. But uh, she, he went with uh, Ileana, which is... Uh, Peter Ruspin, or Colossus's sister. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, Lockheed, the most known as the purple alien dragon that serves as Kitty Pride's sidekick in the comic books. However, in the Demon Bear saga, he is at Ileana's side. Meanwhile, in the movie, he is a hand puppet that Ileana creates as a mental... Oh, my God. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Woo. Okay. A brief. I got a brief. That, that's, that's the stupidest thing I just read all day. And I've been reading political stuff for a while, too. Woo. Okay, here we go. Meanwhile, in the movie, he is a hand puppet that Ileana creates as a mental defense mechanism. He does come to life when she goes into limbo, but he is only real when she brings him out for the final battle of the movie. Oh, do we not get a picture of him? Uh, disappointed. 
All right, speaking of Ileana, Ileana Ruspin, the most significant change in the New Mutants movie compared to the comic books come with the origin of Ileana Ruspin. In the comics, she is Colossus's sister. When she was sick, she was kidnapped and whisked away into the realm of Limbo, where she remained for seven years. In the X-Men's world, she returned only seconds later. However, she is 13, the queen of Limbo, and is skilled in black magic. In the movie, Ileana is a young girl abused by her older abused by older men who take advantage of her powers. She creates Limbo, where she teleports herself to hide from her pain. She is there for so long that Limbo eventually becomes real, but it is not the pre-existing dimension from the comic books. Danny Morningstar. No, Moonstar. Moonstar. My bad, my bad. In the New Mutants movie, Danny Moonstar is a prisoner slash patient of Dr. Cecilia Reeves. Nice! Okay. You know, because, you know, Dr. Cecilia Reeves wasn't like an X-Men or anything. An actual acting X-Men. But whatever. She has no idea... It's a she? I thought it was a he. Okay. She has no idea what her mutant powers are, and she is alone after her family and neighbors die in a mysterious attack. In the comics, she already a full-fledged member of the new mutant team. There are also differences in the role she plays. In the movie, Dr. Reeves tries to kill her to stop the demon bear attacks, and Danny is out of... Oh, okay, Danny is the, the Native American lady, or kid. Okay, sorry. She just occurred to who she was. Danny is out of the out of action due to this. In the comics, Danny takes the fight to the demon bear and ends up beaten and almost dead, which is how she is taken out of action in the books. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's the Native American lady. The final battle. The final countdown. Never mind. It's midnight. Give me a break. The Demon Bear Saga from the comic books and the New Mutants movie have the same overall message when it comes to the final battle. In the comics, Renee reaches into Danny's mind and learns that the team has to learn to work together to cut out the heart of the Demon Bear. The movie also plays on the idea of trusting each other and working as a team to survive. However, the end of the battle is dramatically different. Why? Because it's Hollywood. In the film, it is Danny who stands up to the bear and proves its scarce tactics don't affect her. Meanwhile, Danny doesn't return to the final battle in the comics and, end, and the ending is more infinite. Ileana uses her soul sword to split the demon bear in half, destroying it once and for all. Yeah. Directed and co-written by Josh Boone, the new mutant star, Massey Williams, uh, Enya Taylor-Joy, Charlie Heaton, Henry Zega, Blue Hunt, B-L-U, Blue, Blue Moon, let's see, uh, Alice Braga, or Braga, as the antagonist, Dr. Cecilia Reeves, uh, all right, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, okay, uh, doc, Dr. Reeves was, came, was introduced in the late 90s. She was a doctor that was trying to work on the legacy virus, which was killing mutants at the time. And she ended up becoming a full-fledged X-Men. I just find it very odd that she is the antagonist in this movie. As where, as far as I know, I mean, maybe now in, in comic history that I haven't read, she's a bad guy. But for as far as I know, she's always been a good guy. So I find that kind of weird. The film is now in theaters, except California. I added, except California. Uh, 
Because why? California theaters are still not open yet. Come on, open them up. It has literally been going on like six months since I've been in a movie theater. Okay, so now we are going to jump over to the television section of our show. And since last week we talked about the stand on, uh, what was it, CBS All Access, I figured, why not? Let's just see what else they're, they're throwing at us. And it's a little bit of goodness, hopefully. Uh, and it says... The Stand, CBS All Access. Stephen King's adaptation gets its first teaser trailer. CBS All Access has released a, a teaser for the upcoming limited event series based on Stephen King's novel and David K. Montoya's favorite book of all times, The Stand. Yay! All right, let's see what we have to hear, kids. It says... CBS All Access has released the first teaser trailer for The Stand. The streaming platform's upcoming limited event series based on the post-apocalyptic novel of the same name by Stephen King. The trailer offers its first look at what fans can expect from this new take on King's tale. Introducing the major players and providing brief glimpses of key locations and moments while also maintaining an allure of mystery. Written, directed, and produced by New Mutants' Josh Boone, The Stand is set to premiere on CBS All Access on December 17th and will be 10 episodes in length. Holy cow! Woo! All right, I'm going to do something. I'm going to see. Uh, let, let's try to watch this. I have not watched the trailer yet. So let's see if we can pick some uh, audio goodness up and see what I can get. Here we go. My name is Abigail Fremantle. You come see me at Hemingford Hall. Anyone alive out there? Boom. Yeah, that looks really good. Actually, holy cow. Um, I, I kind of had like my expectations was a little on the low side, to be honest with you. But yeah, that looks good. Whew. So, okay, um, I got kind of sidetracked here at that audio goodness. Let's just jump back. Well, you got the audio goodness. I got to watch the whole thing. It says, King's original novel follows the survivors of a plague that kills most of the Earth's population. The book was previously adapted into a four-episode miniseries, which aired on ABC in 1994. The full synopsis for CBS All Access upcoming 10-part series can be found below. Let's see what it says. The Stand is Stephen King's apocalyptic vision of a world decimated by a plague and embodied in an elemental struggle between good and evil. The fate of mankind rests on the frail shoulders of a 108-year-old mother Abigail, Whoopi Goldberg, and a handful of survivors. Their worst nightmares are embodied in a man with a lethal smile and unspeakable powers. Randall Flagg, Alexander Skarsar, the Dark Man. Mmm. I like it. All right. And it says The Stand Stars. Ooh, try saying that five times. The Stand Stars. Alexander Starsgard as Randall's Flag, Whoopi Goldberg as Mother Abigail, 
James Mar Marson Martis Mar Mar Good grief. Cyclops as Stu Redman. Odessa Young as Franny Goldsmith. 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 That doesn't sound right. Jovan Apado as Larry Underwood. Amber Heard as Nadine Cross. Owen Teague as Harold. Harry Zaga as Nick Amos. Brad Williams. Hink. Hinky. No, wait. Hink. H-E-N-K-E. Hink. As Tom Colon. I wonder if they're going to do the moon. You know? M-O-O-N smells TV or something. Well, you know, that's just why you, that was Tom. Tom Colon. Uh, and, and the series premieres on CBS All Access December 17th. So, yeah, I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready. All right. All right. So, let's go ahead and jump into some animated news. Yeah, yes. All right. So, if you're like me, you totally dug into the Spider-Verse. Well, guess what, kids? Spider-Man. Into the Spider-Verse 2, crew teases production start. That's right, kids. Uh, I don't know if you even knew that there was going to be a part two, but there is, and it looks like... Well, let me read it and give you the lowdown. Still, over two years from the release, work of the highly anticipated Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is starting to ramp up. A newly teased post by Octavio Rodriguez over the weekend seemingly suggests he and the team were back to work on the franchise. Rodriguez, a mainstay in animated circles, is serving as the head of story for the Shmir, uh, Shamir, uh, Shmeek. Uh, sh I'm sorry, guys. It's uh, S H A M E I K more, starring following follow up. I I totally just des destroyed that name. I'm sorry. I I tried. Previously, Rodriguez worked on Incredibles 2's Coco, Monsters University. All for Disney Pixar. Most recently, he directed a batch of episodes for Netflix, The Epic Tales of Captain Underpants, which my girls love. Love. And his tweeter, Twit, Tweet. I'm trying to be funny. It's just not working. All right. Anyway, he put out a tweet. It says, here we go. Hashtag head of story. Hashtag film. Hashtag animation. Hashtag Sony. And it has got the um, the spray paint of the spider logo from Miles Morales. And if you push play, it changes colors and it does a whole bunch of cool looking, I you know, just changing and the logo colors. And it says 2022. And then it says originally set for the release is April 2022 Spider-Verse 2 was delayed to October due to the other coronavirus-related delays. Outside an initial teaser, we've yet to find out anything in terms of, the, of a plot or characters that will be involved. In fact, Jake Johnson admitted earlier this month that he wasn't even positive he would be returning as Peter B. Parker. Uh, this is a quote from Johnson. It says... I would really hope so, Johnson told Fandom when asked if the character would return to the sequel. I really love playing Peter B. Parker. I literally recorded that movie for, I think, it was over two years. And people don't realize most of the animation you do, two, three records, and it's over. I've lived with that character before. Anyone knew it was happening for so long. I love the material. I got to record with more, a lot more played Morales, or Miles, Miles Morales. And we've got to bounce off each other. Um, 
Moore and I became buddies, and we're still texting and in touch. Okay. Uh, he continued, I would love to see Peter, what happens to him. I'd love to see if he and Mary Jane, MJ, got back together. He Did he become a dad? Is he still a superhero? Is he a dad and a superhero? But these are all as a fan now, because in terms of the inside, I'm not able to make decisions. But I would love Peter to come back. Other the more, other the more, that's the, honest to God, that's what it says. Other the more and Johnson, Spider-Verse also features Haley Seinfeld, uh, Maharasha Ali, Brian Tree, Henry, Lily Tomlin, Zoe Kravitz, Luna, Lauren, Velez, Nick Cage, Catherine Haar, and Lev Schieber. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is now streaming on Netflix, while the sequel, sequel is due for release on October 7th, 2022. All right. That's, that's actually pretty cool. That's, that's cool news. Uh, I... We all went to see it as a family, and we we totally dug it. So I'm I'm hoping that it's it leaves lives up, you know, because there's sometimes that you you don't get that chance, you know. I'm kind of rambling here. Most of the time, the sequel isn't as good as the original. Is what I'm trying to say. All right, let's see. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Uh, all right. I save this to the end because why? It, it's the X-Men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a probably yammer about this for a while. Um because I stopped reading the X-Men comics. I just uh I'm reading I read I don't know, did I mention that I read uh I don't think I did yet. I read um The Three Jokers. Batman and Three Jokers. And um, I really enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. I can't wait for uh, issue two to come out. So I guess that's what I'm reading right now. All right. Uh, this one is for our comic book. And it reads, X-Men Magneto pulls off the ultimate, like capitals, U-L-T-I-M-A-T-E, ultimate power fusion attack. Power fusion attack. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, here we go. Ready? By working alongside two other extremely powerful mutants, Magneto just unleashed an attack capable of demolishing an entire army in X-Men. Warning. The following contains spoilers of X-Men number 11 by Jonathan Hickman. Yanel, Francis, you, Sunny Goo, and VCs Clayton Cove on sale now. Really, that doesn't look like his artwork. Interesting. Okay. I'm actually a, a, a fan of uh, Linnell Francis Yu's artwork, and it just doesn't look like his artwork. That's why I was like, hmm, okay, interesting. The unity that the mutants of the Marvel Universe have experienced since coming together in the House of X has allowed many of them to realize their true potential. Some have even begun to utilize their power in new and unexpected ways, working with other power sets to create massive results that can turn the tide of entitled, entire battles. By syncing his powers up with Magna, Magma, and Iceman, Magneto just deployed a new combo attack that easily destroys an entire army of Kotai warriors spawned from the pages of Empire. 
Alright, that sounds like a video game to me. X-Men editor... Oh, no, never mind. Sorry. Never mind. So, let's see. I see Iceman. And I'm assuming that's the White Queen. I don't know who that guy is. Okay, I see Magneto. Magna. Mag... Ma. Magma. Okay. When the Kakoe reached Kakoa, they unleashed their forces on the assembled mutants. There are casualties across the battlefield, and the secondary battle happening against the Kakoe, Kotok. Katawi, I don't know, guys, of the surface of the moon catch the full attention of many of the other X-Men. But the battle takes a decisive turn towards the mutants when Magneto takes to the field using scraps of metal that were stone, stone, good God, stone across the island. I guess we're talking about Kokoa still. Uh, Magneto single-handedly decimated the forces. Calling out to his fellow mutants, Magneto reveals that he approached Magma about the idea of locating any dormant volcanoes locations across the island. Magma had discovered them, and her powers over melted rock allowed her to force the volcanoes to erupt and to control their output enough that it's manageable and won't damage the other islands around Kokoa. Using the cuckoos, which are three ladies, and they're all telepaths, and they're, yeah, okay. Essentially, as a communication device, Magneto has the psychics call up Iceman. With over 20 tons of magma now spewing out of Kokoa, Magneto needs Iceman to put his powers to counteract the heat, solidifying the molten magma into sturdy, splintered iron. The master of magnetism then uses his own near-limitless powers to unleash a torrent of newly formed spikes. They decimate the forces before him, slaughtering most of their enemy, even when the Kokoe general survives the initial barrage, he's brought down by a series of satellites that Magneto pulls from orbit and drops on his head. Nice. Okay. Is that Groot? Looks like there's a picture of Groot standing next to Magneto. I'm like, how is that Groot? Okay. The sheer scale of Magneto's attack is to be commended, allowing him to wipe out an entire enemy offensive with just the help of two fellow mutants. It speaks to the power of the mutant on Kokoa and just how effective they've become since truly becoming united around the idea of the new island nation. It also might suggest the beginning of a very dark path for the X-Men to consider taking. This display of power could be seen as a genuine proof that combating the potential of multi-omega-level mutants into one form could be very impressive, as Bishop has previously suggested. Now that the X-Men have access to both Sinister's knee-deep of genetic modifications as well as the resurrection power of the Five, they could easily decide to follow Bishop's advice of creating a new multi-powered mutant. While having one person who could do what Magneto, Iceman, and Magma just did would be very useful for mutant kind. It could help lead to the future like one on the timelines, seen by Mora X and Powers of X where Sinister's eventual betrayal and exploration of that concept ended up dooming the mutant population. 
While Magneto's massive attack may have helped project Kokoa today, it may also end up dooming the nation tomorrow. Hmm. I don't know, guys. Um, I, I liked the idea now when... When Cyclops ruled Genosha back in the early part of... Uh, was it earlier or was mid? I think it was like mid part of 2000s. Um, you know, the Genosha was the mutant haven. And, you know, Cyclops was the, the, the president, the ruler, whatever you want to call it. I really dug those stories. I really did. Um, and... To be honest with you, and I'm just being completely honest, the way I feel about this is that, I don't know, I just feel like it's it's kind of like the same idea without rule and on a much lower, lesser scale of, like, because all the mutants were on Genosha back then. I don't know what... I know that somehow, and I, I stopped, again, I stopped reading, but Kokoa has this power where there's they're somewhere on Earth, and you can go through this Kokoa-made uh, tunnel, and you, you can end up on space on the side of the moon or some, some, some weirdness like that. And um, I don't know. I mean, if, if you're a fan of it, I, I apologize. Um, you know, I've been a fan since 1987. Uh, I've, I've tried to come back to it a couple times. Uh, I came back really solid, uh, again, during the, the whole time where, um, like Greg Land and, uh, Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction, they were writing the X-Men, like, towards the end of the, what was it, I would say between 2008-2010. I was reading fairly, fairly regularly, and then you know they it was the schism that was what it was the whole schism storyline I loved it, and um, then that's when they when they started rebooting X Men is kind of when they lost me, and I tried to, to to jump in a couple times here and there, but I just I'm having a tough time because they're not the X Men that I remember, and you know a friend of mine. Right before uh, I started recording, I was talking about the New Mutants. And I'm like, yeah, I hope this doesn't suck. I don't know if I really want to watch it or not. And she was like, why? Because you're a purist? And I'm like, yeah, when it comes to the X-Men, I'm a purist. Um, you know, we are, what, let's see. I am 43, so that means I've been following the X-Men for 33 years. And, you know, when you start... I, and I get the idea of you get to a certain point and you have to start making up new ideas, but you just don't change their personalities. You know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm getting gripey and I don't mean to, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what it is. I mean, if anybody's out there and, and they're reading the, you know, the X-Men stuff and they're digging it, email me, let me know, uh, why you're reading it convince me to go and spend what is it four or five bucks on 20 pages of comic art and you know convince me uh you can send me an email it's my public life at jayzomon j-a-y-z-o-m-o-n.com and tell me tell me why you think that the new x-men is worth you know picking up and if you convince me, I'll I'll buy a copy. That's that's basically it. That's the whole shebang is you know convince me to to buy something, and and I'll give you a shout out. I guess uh, you know I mean I know not too many people listen to my show, and that's fine. But if you want a shout out to you know two or three people that listen, <laughs> I'm teasing. Maybe four. Uh, okay. Um, okay, so we are coming to the end of the show, and as always, um, if you don't know, I, I collect NECA Nightmare on Elm Street figures, and I'm, I'm kind of stuck right now because I'm trying to find Nightmare on Elm Street 4 figure, which is really hard to find. Um, but 
my my friend Mario Martinez, he's the one who turned me on to collecting these action figures. These, you know, and he told me about NECA, and I became a big fan of NECA. In fact, I, I probably won't buy anything other than NECA as far as Nightmare on Elm Street until my collection's complete. Um, so he introduced me to this one website. It was uh, BigBadToyStore.com, and that's where I've, I've purchased a lot of my online stuff. And I figured, you know, because I, I've gotten into it, that I would do this as a running thing every episode for my public life. So now we are at the end stage, and this is the toy of the week. And every week I come, I particularly, normally I come here, and I'm not trying to uh, you know, put in a buy or a bid for like a sponsorship or anything. It's just, it's a good, good website. It's a bigbadtoystore.com, and we typically go through and we look at the pre-order stuff. So just in case that you know you happen to listen to this uh, some some weeks later or whatever, you know you still have an opportunity to order what I'm talking about. Now I was on the phone with a friend and I was looking through, you know, trying to find my content, and I saw this and I'm like, oh hell no! It just gave me the heebie-jeebies. And um, I'm like, you know what? Because it gave me the heebie-jeebies, this is going to be my my uh, toy of the week. So what am I talking about that gave me the heebie-jeebies? It is Annabelle Comes Home, Ultimate Annabelle Figure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. It even, okay. Product description. The possessed doll, Annabelle. From the Conjuring Universe films and her own spin-off movies is getting the ultimate treatment from NECA. The fully poseable NECA Annabelle figure stands approximately 6 inches tall, 7 inches scale, and replicates the doll's appearance in Annabelle Comes Home. It features a soft, good skirt and comes with interchangeable heads, her chair, and museum doll case accessories. Yes, this thing comes with its freaking doll case. And it, it literally says, warning, positively do not open. It just, ugh. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I know I know somebody that I'm actually thinking about buying it for. But yeah, not for me. Uh-uh. Nope. 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 Uh-uh. Okay, so what do we got? Product futures. We've got 6 inches, 15.24 centimeters. Made of plastic. Based on appearance of Annabelle Comes Home. Features a soft, good skirt. Displays friendly window box with opening flap. Box content. Annabelle figure. Two alternate head, heads. Chairs. Museum doll case. And the note. And the note, you know, it says, miss me. <laughs> no, no, no. No, 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 no. And believe it or not, the cost for this bad boy is only $34.99. And it is expected to arrive this month, September 2020. And yeah, if I mean, it, if you're into that kind of thing, this thing is just absolutely just right on the money. And NECA is amazing as well. They just, they do, they produce amazing stuff. Man, that thing's creepy. Holy cow. Um, so, it again, it is at the www.bigbadtoystore.com slash products slash verification details slash 97766. And that will take you straight to this bad boy. Um, legally, I don't think I can link it to... The website, but if you are interested, email me and I will email it to you back. Or if we're friends on Facebook, uh, you can definitely message me 
and uh, I'll send you a link as well. All right, gang. I want to thank you for coming in for this second week of season four. Um, as usual, you can come and drop me a line at my public life at jayzomon j a y z o m o n dot com, and you can find me all over the place: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, some other places, but I don't even check that. And it's whatever that is that you're on. So twitter.com slash facebook.com slash or instagram.com slash David K. Montoya. Uh, yeah. And that's pretty much it for me. We've got some exciting things going on. Uh, the open contract challenge that my company holds, um, we, well, as of right now, I actually know who third place is. I know who are the final two, but we're not ready to release that information just yet. So you will have to go and check that out. Also, we are still on the JZO Modcast Network and... Well, we've got three shows going, one on Monday, that is the World of Myth Bits, and Wednesday, which is me, My Public Life is an American Nerd, and Friday, which is Lupa's Bits. It's a little bit more raw and straightforward storytelling from Lupa, a.k.a. Stephanie Body, and... Um, you can find us there at www.jayzomon.com slash jayzomodcast. Yes, I'm going to spell that bad boy. J-A-Y-Z-O-M-O-D-C-A-S-T. And you can listen to us there. You can find us over on SoundCloud. We are over on SoundCloud. Usually, we actually we, we publish first on SoundCloud, believe it or not before it goes anywhere. And then, of course, you can find us on Apple and Google and blah, blah, blah. And we're there. All right, gang. My voice is going. That tells me it's time to wrap this bad boy up. Thank you so much again for coming in this week. For My Public Life as an American Nerd, I am David K. Montoya. And as always, I bid you adieu.